Welcome and thank you for tuning into Organ and the official podcast of Ology Research Group, exploring contemporary social issues via data, insights, and change. According to Pew Research Center, about 25% of parents are unmarried, which is vastly different from 1968, where only about 4% of parents were unmarried. Moreover, among adults aged 25 and older, 23% of males and 17% of females have reported never being married. Research finds that after one year, about 3 in 10 young adults get married, 9% break up their relationship, and 62% continue cohabiting. On this episode, we discuss the overall topic of marriage in society and we try to answer the question, why are more couples cohabiting in lieu of getting married? And is this a good thing or is it not a good thing? Present to talk about this topic from New York City, we have myself, Carl Letamendi. And Jasmine Letamendi. And recording from Los Angeles, we have... Hey there, Casey Schaub. And Courtney Hirose. Jasmine, take it away. The dynamics are changing. We now have many parents that are living together and they're choosing not to pursue marriage, but cohabitate. I... My parents, when I wasn't born in Colombia, they cohabitated. So I'm one of those children, and this was back in, like, 1980s. Um, but I, seeing it now that that this is something that is new to America, when most countries, um, like in Latin America, that's something that has been hap- that has happened because um, in Latin America, it's very Catholic. So if you are married, you can only get married, like, once. Um, like back then, divorce was like, ooh, very taboo. So yes, men and women moved on and had other partners, but it was still like by the Catholic, by the Catholic faith, like that was like you were married and that's still your, your main partner. Um, I have aunts that have cohabitated with their partners in, in Colombia. And one, uh, one, one thing that I could share with the audiences and the group is that my aunt cohabitated for more than 20 years with her partner and she had two children but because her partner was married his first like he was he's married and now he's deceased but regarding this whole process she was now that time the times have changed she was still able to tap into um you know receiving support from the country because she said I was a caretaker and I was still a significant partner to this person, even though I wasn't married through the Catholic Church. So they recognize now in Colombia, even though it's always been predominantly Catholic, that, you know, your rights, you still live with somebody, you still can, you know, get a pension from that person if they worked and there and you lived with them. So now what they did was is that whatever um, pension um, this person got, they split it in half. So now it went half to my aunt and half to his wife. Um, and so I thought that was really unique. And I also thought that was very modern for a Latin American country to, you know, just to even think about, oh, it doesn't matter anymore. Because back then it would be like you were just a person that cohabitated with him. You didn't have any rights because you were not married by, um, you know, an institution. And so... That was something that I see that's very progressive. And it's interesting now here in the Western world, like how it's more of a norming 
um, view that it's it's okay to do that. So I, I'm interested to see with the group, like what do you what do you all feel about this whole um, cohabitating and being unmarried? Mm-hmm. I think being cohabiting is kind of like you love the person, so you'll stay with them because they provide that utility. I think. Right now, if you're moving away from less, I guess, religious ideals and then planning a wedding myself, weddings are just super expensive. Like, if it's it's a lot more convenient to just live with each other and then kind of function on your own. And dependent on your incomes, too, there's different kind of quote-unquote tax benefits you can get by not being married versus being married. And there's also certain things like... It's all variable dependent on the situation of the person, but I can see it also filtering down to one convenience and two from a monetary perspective because I think it is shifting to where marriage is less about religion and more about like something that the government has, at least in the States. There's an interesting study actually that said um, that children with married parents are better off but marriage isn't the reason why. And interesting, right? Dichotomy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what the researchers at um, named Kimberly Howard and Richard V. Reeves at the Center Family and um, Children and Family at the Brooklyn Institute, what they found was that the qualities that make a good parent, I mean, those who are committed and patient, also make a good uh, traits to ha- raise kids. And they said that it's because today people are better educated, they have higher income, and they're more likely to marry later. So these traits actually translates to having good parenting for the kids. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, the thought I was thinking of that is, okay, today's parents are marrying later, and they're statistically producing better kids because they have these really good traits to determine, you know, the good you know the patient and the committed but if we look at the the parents from you know our parents generation where they were committed to stay to the marriage you know the old marriage that's technically still be a good marriage right because they still engage the same behaviors that is critical for child success wouldn't that be the same thing i think that's my thing (laughs) i just you said producing better kids so it just made me think of like the handmaid's tale on hulu Oh, I haven't seen that. You should. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, another another stat that I found that's also like related to the the concept of cohabiting versus uh, getting married is that apparently if you wait a little longer to get married, um, mm-hmm. that you you're more likely to remain married. Um, this statistic shows that um, individuals who committed cohabitation or marriage at the age of 18 saw a 60% divorce rate. But there actually is a rate, uh, an age at which they say that you should get married, which is 23. <gasps> and they say that that's what actually... Men? Is it 31 for men? Because I'm 31. It just says, <laughs> I don't know, it says individuals... Well, individuals who waited until 23 to commit saw a divorce rate that was around 30%. So if you, they're, they're saying that at that age, you're already like done with college. Um, ideally, you're in a better position financially, um, and, and so, so on and so forth. But over the last 50 years, the same source says that cohabitation has increased by 900%. Um, so more people, more couples are, 
uh, living together before deci- deciding to tie the knot. And the census data from 2012 shows that there were 7.8 million couples living together uh, who were not married in comparison to 2.9 million in 1996. So um, I know that there's kind of like, you know, cultural ideas about how you ought to proceed with making the decision to get married and whatnot. But um, have, have you ever been asked or heard anyone entertain the conversation about whether or not people should live together before getting married? That's an antiquated idea. Sorry. I mean, Courtney, you lived with your uh, fiancé before you got married, Uh right? I've heard both ways. I've heard it's better to live with your person before getting married because you kind of learn about like their nuances and like what makes them tick and it kind of makes you more comfortable for you to understand that i think i get that to a degree if maybe you've only been with them for a couple of years uh since i've been with kazuto for seven years since last week i think it doesn't matter as much because I think all that time just accumulated is equivalent to living with each other. Cause now that we do live with each other, it's kind of like the same thing. Um, but I think on the other side, people say not to cohabitate because it does lead to one of the partners becoming more comfortable where they don't feel like they have to like do certain things anymore. Or like if one party wants to get married, it makes it less of a pressure because you're already cohabitating. So I've heard, I've heard both sides of the coin. I, I, I even have one friend who kind of put down a law like, if I don't get married within a, or if we don't live together for a year, we're not going to get married just because he wants to understand how they are. So, mm-hmm. I think it's it's an opinion. Yeah, I've heard people say that it's kind of like test driving the car. <laughs> mm. Interesting. <laughs> Is it? Yes, yeah, he agrees too. <laughs> like, <laughs> She's been cohabitating me for the past eight years. <laughs> Sierra. Yeah. I'm just her bitch. <laughs> the house. No, but um, I, I think I think it's a... I actually think it's a good thing. Like now, maybe like decades ago, that was the mentality. But I think um, a lot of a lot of couples can also... Like what's the one of the like top few reasons for divorce? Money is like a big one. Right. If not the number one Mm -hmm. reason why people get divorced in the first place. So I think living together and like sharing expenses and just kind of learning um, how you're going to how you're going to experience life as a couple is very helpful in determining whether or not you want to be with that person at all. Mm -hmm. You I do think the idea of marriage is getting antiquated. I think so. Um, I think that especially especially now because like like now Jasmine and I were just talking about this this morning that dating must be like really hard now because there's like all these apps for example and there's just like everybody like you you have like this profile and you know it's it's not it's not as like um, circumstantial as it used to be right mm-hmm. and now, like you're meeting a lot of people as a, and spending like a little bit of time with a bunch of people as opposed to spending a lot of time with one person. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you try to invest a lot of time to make sure that you make the right selection 
it's kind of like an investment. You're trying to look at all your stocks and see which one it is that you're going to invest in. And then once you actually choose the right person, then you want to test that person out with this cohabiting thing. And then if, you know, once you start to think about like, oh, um, getting married is expensive, the venue and, you know, the outfits and, and all this stuff. And you figure like, oh, we're already living together, so we don't really need to get married for what? You know, and mm-hmm. we, we've had a, a couple friends um, who are, have been like that, too, that they just opted to reside together and, and not get married because at that point it's not necessary anymore. And then it's also like there's a lot of uh, just like how the Pew article was saying that there's a lot of um, couples that are unmarried and living together. So for them, it's like having a child is like it. You don't need to confirm the union through a marriage you already have a kid together i my uh, logic says this before you have to get married because one of you is dependent on the other financially so mostly the women continue on the men and now where women are making more money even more than men the idea that the the i mean the salaries are more equal so the idea that dependency economically is no longer viable so for them it's not a big deal as before just as mm-hmm. marriage uh, a long time ago was about trading land cattle, and resources now it's merged into like the love notion and commitment and building relationships and all mm-hmm. that gooey stuff well also marriage mm-hmm. now can be transactional you know you have you have people that are very highly educated and they're basically they've invested so many years into their careers that they're like okay now i need to do this so that i can fully you know accomplish this but i need to find a partner or you know even that we can work this out and there's also really yeah i don't know uh i would i would disagree with the transactional point because i feel like past marriages are more transactional now it's more um romantic like ideological I mean, basic like in in a transactional phase, like you have, you know, if if you're in a certain career, you know, you waited, let's say, you wanted to be a CEO of a company, so you're now in your late thirties, and you're or you know almost about to be forty. You're like, oh crap, I'm, I really need to figure out what I'm gonna do. So you're gonna find somebody, a partner that is able to, you know, if if you want to have a family. Who's going to help support that? So those are things that are negotiable. And that's when it, it can become transactional because there's certain needs and interests that are going to have to be negotiated um, in, in terms of like, you know, how you're talking about like trading off certain times certain responsibilities, all those different things. Um, but then still maintaining your, your you know, your, your capital, like you're still a professional, you're still bringing in money, you're contributing to the economy. So that's those are all things that are um transactional as well or even people like of you have to make there's certain standards like people are going to be like i only want to be with somebody who's going to make a certain amount of income um for even like um you know males that want to have that want to have kids like and they have they're in the same you know same-sex relationship like they can still um you know find a partner they could go find a partner and from there if they want to have kids they can find a surrogate and go to a fertility clinic and still have a family and do what they need to do. Um, mm-hmm. Which back back then, it wasn't something that you, you know, it was taboo to do something like that. 
but or even so you have things that are transactional in that capacity like there are certain needs or interests that you're putting in together um and that's that's something that you definitely see now more than you did before mm-hmm. so yeah. but you know you know what i just thought because uh, mm-hmm. when casey meant that uh when i heard him say that the the concept of marriage is like you know kind of diminishing now um it made me think about um some of the the legal components of marriage too right because mm-hmm. like in ter- in terms of like buying property for example you know you can't you can't it's not as easy to just walk in and purchase something you know like a major asset unless you're married and you have documentation to support it so there's like this entire like legal component attached to like the acquisition of property that you use to build wealth that's like attached to this religious um construct also so if you like i think you know looking forward that it should like not everybody gets married not everybody has kids so you have to kind of um not like you also have to keep in mind those people and recognize that like the giving benefits to people who are getting married and having kids is not fair when you don't allow people who aren't um access to those same benefits Mm -hmm. and also i mean there's also that notion of when you are in a if you have parents and you both you have both parents in the home there's you know you're like statistically you're you have a higher chance of going into poverty you also have um you know there's different dynamics versus like being in a family a single home where you're not going to be with your parents all the time that's also increasing the time where you're you're not gonna have food you're gonna have to work all these things out Mm -hmm. and so that like your levels of stress are going to be a little different as a child so let me ask you so then okay let's say there's a child growing up in a single family like in a single parent household society would be like oh that kid's probably not gonna make it but then if that same kid were in a in in a household where there's like a, a a married couple then they're like, oh, that kid might be doing great. So I'm think I'm wondering, like, is it because they were married, or is it because the kid had more than one person supporting them? Because I'm thinking, like, in the case of Full House, like the TV show, right? You mm-hmm. had you had the dad. What's his name? Bob Saget. Yeah, yeah, Bob Saget. Um, and Uncle Jesse and the other uncle, and you had all these people, you know, all these adults in this one household that were like supportive of the kid you know it wasn't just the dad that came and said oh don't cry it's okay it was the dad and uncle jesse and the other dude so i wonder if it's like if it's more so having like more adults to look up to that really makes the difference i think that i mean that has benefits because you have a whole kind of like a tribe a family and that's living together and supporting each other so it makes the dynamic is different. I don't know. I mean, from my when my sister, I mean, she, my sister got married when she was really young, and she had a kid when she was really young. And my parents ended up taking care of my niece and nephew. And from a development area, my nephew had so much love for my parents and their my and my um 
sister and brother-in-law but it also created a lot of stress too because my parents had a different way of parenting than my sister and that created a lot of conflict between them and mm-hmm. so like financially my parents were able to meet the needs that my sister couldn't because at the time she was working a minimal job but like emotionally it was not a good investment for them because they, they both uh they both had issues so um i don't know what do you think i think i think it would be different though because think about it if your parents weren't there to help them they would be financially and emotionally stressed versus just being emotionally stressed you know what i mean like you we we only experience kind of what the reality that we actually go through versus kind of the different scenarios of if it could have been worse Mm. so well, more of the story. Don't have kids. Cold <laughs> <laughs> blooded. <laughs> but I mean, so looking at our um, and like the question is it like is this just a trend and society's evolving, or is this like a tragic thing, uh, or is it a good thing that we're evolving and adapting? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, who wants to take that? I think personally, like we're not as like the the younger generation is not as religious in some sense. Like we're more open and more progressive. So several of my friends have lived with their their partners before even engaging into the next step which whatever that would be for them. Um, and so it's just, it is, it's, it's a, it's a choice. And it seems there is, you know, if you are, like we talked about it, if let's say, for example, you, you know, when you, if you're not married, then you're still considered single, but you are cohabitating. So you could still, if you're thinking about benefits or, you know, you're going to tax, like taxes and all these different things, like, you still qualify for all these resources um, because even if you're married, like you now that you're married, it's like, oh, you are above the certain bracket now because everything's combined. Um, so it has like its pros and cons um, in certain ways and depending on how much you make, too. So from what the literature is saying and articles are saying, uh, most people that are married, like they are they are more um, stable because they have two incomes coming together and there's also like that study of consistency versus like when you are cohabitating where in less than five years like you either separate from from your partner at the time because it's like you could just not want to be together and you could already have two or three kids but it's like I don't have to commit because there's nothing forcing us to commit anymore and I chose and I choose not to be in this anymore so you leave um and that happens with marriage now too a lot of people if they do invest in marriage and they divorce most likely they're not planning to remarry again to go through the whole hassle of planning a whole wedding and the costs and all that like no they will become the the statistics of being of cohabitating so I think yes, the dynamics are changing, and people are more like they're looking for um, financial independence, and how can they find that, and also a supportive partner as well. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what I just thought too that when you're when you're single and cohabiting, you could say, "Oh, I'm in a." You you could get a domestic partnership, but then that's kind of like a little baby marriage because you're filing like legal paperwork saying that you're you know that you are cohabiting basically. Um, but when you're married, even if you if you're separated, you are still married no matter what legally. And a long time ago, I used to work in financial aid at our university, and I had a lot of students who were separated from their part from their uh, husbands. They were like, "Oh, you know, my husband was abusive. I left him like four months ago. I don't live with him anymore." But since she was still married, the income taxes were filed a certain way. It it drew in uh, certain like fields from the IRS, and she didn't qualify for a lot of things that she would have if she were single. Um, so it was just kind of interesting that once you engage in that, like it's more like a legal activity than more than anything. I think it's you know, I don't know. But I yeah. feel like mm. we talk- sorry. Go ahead. Oh. Go ahead, Casey. Um, I feel like when you're asking that either or question, it's a trap. Because when you're saying is marriage better, it's worse than what you're saying. You're looking at the past and saying, oh, marriage in the past was good. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And we're having less and less of that. So maybe that's a bad thing. But then when you're saying it's a good thing, then um, you're like, oh, well, we need to embrace change. Society is changing and change is good. I am not sure. I think I think it's neither. I, I think it's neither good or bad. It's just the way that our uh, economic output and you know the, the changing our economy and just the shift in the way we think about uh, building relationships. Because I remember reading this article too that was talking about how more and more people are going back to the multi-family generation, where you know they have the grandparents living with you. Um, that you know, uh, that was a big trend in 1900, and then it, it, you know, and then during the 1920s, 30, 40s, 50s, 60s, it started being like a single nuclear family, and now it's going back to multi-generational families. And I think it's just a, a societal shift that happens, neither good nor bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with Casey that I don't think the shift is necessarily a good or bad thing, but I think it is just a development of how society's ideals are changing because now people have i guess more liberty to be able to live with someone without having to marry them versus i would say the old older culture was you had in order to live with someone you had to be married to them so yeah all right well we are at the 26 minute mark of the episode do you guys want to move on to the bottom line Sure. Yes. All right. So, as per tradition, let's play rock paper scissors to see who gets it. Ready? Rock paper scissors shoot. Okay. So, Hi. not not me, not Jasmine. So it's between uh, Courtney or Casey. I defer to Courtney. You okay. go, girl. Okay. Fine. Um. So, based on our topic today, just to make it bringing it into more personal because Casey said that works better um, <laughs> in your personal life experience slash opinion would, and you were to kind of restart all over again would mm-hmm. you say that you would want to cohabitate with your future partner before getting married or do it until after the wedding and make it that more 
or try to make it a big event that comes with marriage. Ooh, yikes. Uh, Carl. So the question is, if I can go back, would the path be cohabiting or cohabitation or marriage first, then cohabitation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't know about the marriage and then cohabitation. Not anymore. Um, I think that there's a lot of benefits to being able to live with a person and you also have the flexibility of no, of not moving forward. But then once you decide to tie the knot, you're kind of like obligated more legally, but also, um, emotionally because it's not just you and the person coming together. It's also, you're marrying the two families too. So there's kind of like, this perception that your your um, family is like watching and they have expectations and your partner's family has expectations and everyone in your social circle. So then there's kind of like this internal expectation that you develop of yourself that you're like, oh, crap, I have to make it work because I'm married now. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's a good way of, of of it's a it's like it's like a like a freedom, right? That you get a chance to live with somebody and if they totally suck and they're abusive or if they don't treat you right, you can say, you know what, I'm going to pack up myself and I'm going to leave because you're not making me happy. But if you get married first and then you discover that, it's like harder to get out of that. Mm. Jasmine? I'd say that you date somebody for three years and in three years, if they are not committing to more, then don't waste your time. You need to move on, shut that chapter, and move on with your life because don't waste your time anymore. Um, I think more than three years, that's that's it. Like you're you you know if this is the person for you or not because in three years you really get to meet a person, um, and you really learn so much. Um, nowadays you have people that know each other for less than a year, and they're already moving into each moving in with each other. But that's also because they figured, um, you know, why can't we, j- like, let's be roommates or let's, you know, roommates with benefits or whatnot, but we're still in a relationship. Um, and that's okay because that's something that's, that's accepted. And they also, you're helping each other out financially because if you're thinking about what rent costs and, you know, groceries and all, all the list goes on and on and on, you can, divvy that up and work together as a team and that right there is also a starting point where you get to see like oh this is what it would be like to you know move forward but then also set boundaries like okay we're gonna do this and live together like this for you know maybe six months or a year but then from there like are how much are we really gonna commit because then you're just gonna become roommates and that's also Mm -hmm. something that you i mean if you're okay with that but you both have to really talk about that because then it's like and those expectations need to be um, discussed because I feel like nowadays people just rush in to move together because they started to date and they like each other. Um, and then they don't realize like, oh, now I, I can't really do this anymore because now I live with this person. Or well, let's say you're, you're, you have a pet or things like you're really going to, you know, cooking together, dishes, all these things in the house that now you're like figuring out like, oh, who's going to wash the clothes? Who's going to walk the dog? Who's going to clean um the kitty litter for the cat all you know who's gonna (laughs) who's gonna 
uh, just like the chores and all these things that come together or maybe discussing as as uh, as as partners and being like okay let's pay let's pay somebody to come and help clean because we can do more with our time and spend time together than like spending our weekends cleaning so i think it's like you have to think about what those needs are and those expectations um i i feel that like if you are going to live with somebody you sh- and you're not going to commit you shouldn't live more than like a year with that person and i that's just my personal experience and i think after that like then you just it you you're you need to move on because it's like after that depending on that like you're you know times times um times important and you need to you're making an investment you're putting yourself out there you're making this work and you're you're valuing your time and setting those expectations are very important for what you need because at the end of the day you want like a you know we all need like a life partner or or even a community of friends that are there with us but really being honest and open with yourself on like what you need at the certain time and it's okay to just enjoy your journey but make sure that you are authentic with your choices and what you really need at the time yeah casey um the original question was if you want to give you it again would you do um cohabitate first or marry and then cohabitate so for me i um I've been in cohabitating relationships and I think I would do it different this time. If I were to do it again, I would have my own place, date the dude and marry him. And if it doesn't work out, quit. Because um, like what you were saying earlier, for me, I became complacent in cohabiting because like, oh, well, now we're together. He's stuck with me. I'm not going to have to work on myself. So now I'm like, I'll just work on me. And if it doesn't work with you, it's okay. I got my own place, boo. Bye, Felicia. (laughs) (laughs) That would be my answer. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, From my side, I like the kind of way that me and my fiance do it. I think I would do it again where you live separately. And then when it makes sense for the couple to move in together when you know and you made a decision you're eventually going to be with each other for a long time then to move in with each other after there's kind of that mutual agreement and that way the distance doesn't cause stress or anything it's because you've like without marriage you've kind of made that commitment to each other like we've been together for so long even if we weren't going to get married I knew I still probably would be with him we still would live together it's not kind of like this huge thing um but it does like I feel like knowing that he's not going to just all of a sudden when I wake up in the morning, all his stuff is going to be gone. I think that provides just a nice comfort in the fact that like we'll be together for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, many years more to come. When is it- <laughs> when is it- uh, a year from now. A year? It takes that long to plan? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It takes oh. a long time. <laughs> what do you guys do? Just like, oh, we'll pick this place. How long? I mean, just curious. Sorry. Uh, there's a budget, and then there's a budget planner, and they have to choose all the people to like your do vendors. the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you have to choose the people who are invited. They have to choose the people in your party. <laughs> you choose the decorations. There's a lot of. It adds up to a lot of things. And the people wow. who you're not gonna invite. Yep, <laughs> and how you're going to avoid them for the next year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's why divorce rate's so high. It's too stressful. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, just kidding. Yeah. All right. Well, now we'd like to turn to our listeners. What do you think about the declining marriage rates and increases in cohabitation? Are there any topics you'd like to hear on the show? Or would you like to join us for an upcoming episode? Make sure to send us your thoughts at info at ologyresearchgroup.org. And also make sure to check us out on Twitter at Twitter handle Ology Research. Take care.